I'm Alex Schwartz. I'm Nomi Fry. I'm Vincent Cunningham, and this is Critics at Large, a New Yorker podcast for the culturally curious. Each week, we're going to talk about a big idea that's showing up across the cultural landscape, and we'll trace it through all the mediums we love. Books, movies, television, music, art. And I always want to talk about celebrity gossip, too. Of course. We hope you'll join us for new episodes each Thursday. Follow Critics at Large today, wherever you get podcasts. This episode of Livewire is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you can call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Just after the end of World War II, many secret departments were created by the government to cement America's reputation as the number one country in the world. One department changed our view of the world through the very words and customs we use to this day, the U.S. Department of Awesomization. Tonight, for the first time, we take a look inside this secret government department. Okay, Freddie, you got today's list to go over? Yep, it's right here, Chief. Okay, let's have it. What's the first one? Okay, uh, let's see here. The the, the French, they got these uh, tasty potato dealies that would really catch on here if we had a good name. Uh, They call them Palm Fritz. Palm Fritz? What? I don't know. Okay, nobody's going to know what the hell that is. It will die the death. Okay. Boom, I got it. French fries. They're French? They're fried? That's awesome. Awesome, Chief. Awesome. Good start. Good start, Freddy. What do we got next? Okay, now the Italians have this great food, right? It's called pizza, but it's not that popular. It's a small piece of thin bread with a little layer of sauce and sometimes cheese. Everyone thinks it's just Italian food you get at a restaurant. Pizza, eh? Thin, unattractive, wimpy. Mm -hmm. We need something bold. Something that will kick a little ass in your stomach. Mm. Something that after you eat it, you know America's inside you. All right, let's pump up that dough about an inch. Throw it in a pan deep as a kiddie pool. Cover it with a pound of cheese, six different kinds of meat, some pineapple, whatever's left in the vegetable drawer. Make it the size of a manhole cover, and we got some food. Boom! Awesome. Awesome, Chief. Awesome. Okay, we're rolling now. What else you got? Okay, uh, a big sport, Europe, okay? It's football. Hell, it's big all over the world. But nobody here plays it except that mean woman in the typing pool. Oh, Gladys. Oh, yeah. She bugs me. She's so cranky. She would play football. I just want to soccer every time I see her. That's it. Soccer. The word connects in no way to the actual sport. People will have no idea it came from Europe. Awesome. Awesome, Chief. Just awesome. And now we have an American sport with no real name. Right now, people are calling it Tackle the Guy with the Pigskin Purse. Oh, yeah, I know that sport. It needs help. Okay, we need something less girly sounding for America. Mm. I got it. Boom. Let's call it football. Uh, but, 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 Chief, the, the rest of the world uses football to mean, it, well, soccer. Yeah, but we're going to awesomeize it, Freddie. We'll take over the name. Football's going to be about pushing and shoving and screaming and blood and broken bones mm. while fans drink beers and eat hot dogs and wear weird crap on their heads. 
It'll confuse the hell out of those wussy Europeans. How awesome is that? You know, I hate to repeat myself, but awesome. I know the word is. I'm sorry. Awesome. When you're awesome, you are awesome. Okay, uh, one last thing here, Chief. Uh, we got this radio show, see? It's, it's pretty awesome. It's weird. It's new. And all the beatniks are talking about it. I got it. Boom. Here's the name. And get this. It's... It's... From the beautiful Alberta Rose Theater in Portland, Oregon. We're so awesome, when it rains, we make our own awesome sauce. It's Livewire. And now it's the host of Livewire. She's totally awesome. Tubular even. Courtney Hameister. Thanks so much. Welcome to Livewire. We've got a really great show for you tonight. To celebrate the annual Fisher Poets Gathering in Astoria, Oregon, we have a zinester, and she's also a Fisher poet. Mo Baustern is with us tonight. She's fantastic. And uh, Portland is about to become the next American city with a major league soccer team. We'll talk to team owner Merritt Paulson about what it took to get there. It's here for Merritt. And our musical guest tonight is a singer-songwriter who's played for huge festivals. He's played on Letterman and the ultimate rock and roll rite of passage, Sesame Street. Langhorn Slim is with us tonight. But please, first meet the members of Faces for Radio Theater. Mr. Tyler Hughes, Sean McGrath, Trisha Ferguson, our stunning siren of sound, Pat Janowski. And as usual, poet Scott Poole, the author of The Chief Seats, will be joining us tonight. If you have him into the show, here's what happens. Scott sits in our audience, and in the course of just a single hour, the amount of time that Maya Angelou pauses between sentences, (laughs) Scott writes an entire poem that encompasses what he's learned over the course of the show. So welcome, Scott, and get writing. And we couldn't do any of it without the amazingly mutton-choppy Ralph Huntley and the Mutton Chops. I feel like I should have won something at the Olympics to deserve that. Thank you, Ralph. Uh, so we are, we're going to talk to Merritt Paulson later about how we've awesomized soccer. Uh, but we've awesomized quite a few other things in this country. Um, the world created a nice, healthy salad. And America's Olive Garden created the bottomless salad bowl, which doesn't turn into bottomless on your body. Uh, I believe the tagline for which is enough salad to feed either a family of six in Tuscany or your Uncle Hal in Detroit. And there are these Japanese horror films that were so terrifying in their original forms as to cause incontinence, uh, but whose Americanized versions play on ABC Family and make your three-year-old niece just 
giggle uncontrollably. Uh, and uh, protest. We have completely awesomeized protest in this country. We just watched a whole country rise up in Egypt. People were out in the streets and they were chanting. They were, they were standing their ground against police and their government until their voices were heard. And we looked at the footage on the internet and thought, oh my God, that is so 200 years ago. <laughs> you guys. The awesomeized version of protest is clicking. Have you heard the term slacktivism? Have you guys heard this term? It's a portmanteau uh, of slacker and activism. And it's used to describe uh, this new form of activism that I'm completely guilty of. It's when we put uh, green ribbons on our Twitter avatars and, and we repost status updates on Facebook and, and uh, you will feel my wrath, Michelle Bachman, as soon as I finish typing my information into this online form and send. <laughs> oh, take that, you. I, I have no idea what just happened to that, but it is going somewhere, probably, and it is going to hurt when you see it or when someone who works for you sees it or when your server is notified of my demographic information. It is going to be a bloody uprising indeed because I have cable internet. It's going to be fast. Does not feel very uprising, does it? Uh, and maybe, maybe politics have become so divisive that we feel helpless. And to be fair, some of these petitions are actually going somewhere and letting people in Washington know how we feel. So I just want to say congratulations to Egypt. Thanks for the inspiration. And uh, our hope as Americans, our hope for you is that someday, 200 years down the road, you just might be able to order a fabulous pair of wedges from Zappos.com and oust a dictator all at the same time. <laughs> be awesome. Love America. Uh, but we'll, we'll talk about other things that we may have awesomized later. Uh, we want to get to our amazing first guest. He has played major festivals like Lollapalooza, Bumbershoot, Austin City Limits, and South by Southwest. He's toured with Cake, the Avid Brothers, and Violent Femmes, and he's appeared on Letterman. He even had the honor of re-recording the Sesame Street classic, Ladybug Picnic, for the new millennium. I know. Maybe we can get him to sing a little bit of it. Uh, but I'm sure the highlight of his career is uh, tonight. Um, uh, please welcome Langhorn Slim to Livewire. Taking so long, so long to be the measure of the man I hoped I would be. I take a step forward, I take two steps back, I 
can't help but be bored Less I'm on the attack Well, attacking's all right I was up on the hill Where the blueberries grow With time to kill I started to fall It got hard to breathe Got hard to relax It's hard to face yourself When you're still Busy looking back And attacking's alright Understand, my love. Please understand, we're alone in this world, doing all we can to find somebody to love and to hold with a good warm heart. 'Cause it's getting cold. Honey, please try and understand. It's time to love your man. I met a blonde girl. She took me into her bed. I wanted a body. She wanted me dead. Cool summer evening. I woke from a dream. Was scared of something that was lying next to me. My love, please understand, Jesse. Understand, we're alone in this world. Every woman, every man, trying to find somebody to love and hold with a good warm heart. Honey, it's getting cold. Child, please try and understand. It's time. To love your man. Thank you. Langhorn Slim. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for playing for us. Yeah, thank you for having me here. 
That was beautiful and passionate, and I actually watched a video of your New Year's Eve show that you played here in Portland, and it was insanity. I mean, at times, it, it looked like a tent revival show. You were on the ground, and, and I've heard this about your, about your other shows. Um, what are the similarities between music and religion for you? Does it f- feel like a religion? Exactly. Music is my religion, yeah. And so do you, sort of, do you sort of feel the spirit within you when you do that? <laughs> Sometimes more than others, but that, that's, the, uh, that's the goal. I mean, when I'm, when I'm performing, I'm not intellectualizing anything. I'm just shutting that down and opening that up. So Yeah, shutting down the head, opening up the heart. Right. Yeah, uh, for our radio audience. That's going to be my, um, my self-help book. Yeah. Sh- <laughs> I will read it. Shut down the head, open the heart. <laughs> I'm hoping Langhorn Slim and Doctor Phil. Yeah, exactly. Um, I I read that your grandparents had a big influence on you as a person, um, and there is a real timeless quality to your music. I think it feels like it could sort of live anywhere. And I'm wondering if your relationship with them affected your music in yeah, any way. Yeah, big time. Um, I was raised by my mother, and my father did the best that he could do. Wasn't that great? Mm-hmm. But uh, my, my, my brother and I were extremely fortunate that my, my grandparents just stepped it up in a huge way. So um, not so much in the style of music that I play, more in the style that I dress, like the hats and stuff like that mm-hmm. are, are very inspired by Sid and Jack. But, um, it's a jaunty fedora that you're wearing. Thank you very much. <laughs> is, is jaunty good? I don't know. It's great. Oh, great. <laughs> well, then thank you. But yeah, they were huge, huge parts of, uh, of, of my life and, and continue to be. Um, and I did mention uh, that, that you did re-record uh, Ladybug Picnic. How did that come about that you got to re-record that? Like all of the craziest, coolest things that have happened in my life, I find when, when I'm really trying to make something happen, it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. But um, it was just a random call that I got. Uh, my band and I were performing in England, and I got a call. Usually when these calls come in, I think that they're prank calls. or like a friend of mine just like... <laughs> Like, yeah, we want you to re-record this song for Sesame Street. Yeah, really? Okay. But, um... Shut lo- up! <laughs> You're high, right? Well, he, here's, here's where I knew that it was not a prank call and true, was when I said, well, that's great, you know, I, I would love to do it. Does it, you know, how much does it pay? It doesn't. Uh. And that, 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 <laughs> then, I, then I knew it was a real deal. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's been a pleasure having you here, and we look forward to hearing another song from you later in the show. Thank you. And I live down the street, so anytime you guys want to have me back, I'll, oh I'll be more Oh, my gosh. Happy we will it. absolutely. Every cool. week now. <laughs> Langhorn Slim, everybody. Hosni, baby, my little Hosi Hosi, what's wrong? I'm so sad to have lost Egypt. I mean, who loses a country? Eh? It's not like losing your keys. I know, I just lost my keys. I'm having a terrible day. Don't worry, we'll get you some good food and you'll feel better. Okay, maybe you're right. Hi, I'm Barry, I'll be your waiter tonight. And... Oh, it's, it's you, Mr. Mubarak. Uh... Okay, uh, would you like some appetizers first, or are you ready to order? I'll take five million shrimp. Okay, um, 
You know the drill here. We don't carry that much. The shrimp cocktail comes with six shrimp. Mm. Do you want it or not? Please be reasonable tonight, or we're going to have to ask you to leave again. Yes, honey, be reasonable. You're right, you're right. Um, that's how I got into this mess. Okay, I'll be more reasonable. Uh, six shrimp, like you say, uh, served in the splayed open gullet of an immature albino kangaroo. Okay, is that some sort of joke? No wonder you lost Egypt. What was that? Listen, pal, I'm afraid I'm going to have to ask you to leave. Oh, no, here we go again. Okay, okay, I will leave. I will leave this ridiculous restaurant. I will leave at the end of the year. Sweet Allah, you, you think it's just me? Hey, who here wants Mubarak to leave? Oh, Get out. Just leave! Okay, I'll leave. As soon as you bring me a deep-fried manatee. You are not catching the hint, are you? Go, leave, depart the establishment. But um, my get- fork is dirty. Okay, get out. Can I have a mint? No. A fortune cookie? No. What if I just had dessert? Scram. Half order of Mexitators? God, I hate you. Fair enough. So what if I went to the table next door and appointed someone to sit here who wasn't exactly me, but secretly had him order everything I wanted? For the sweet love of all that is holy, just pick up your butt and get the hell out. Okay, I'm leaving. No need to get all riled up. Yeah, I can catch a hint. We are really sorry. No problem. Can I get something to go? No! No! All right, all right. Uh, Honey, where was that falafel place we got run out of last week? Um, it was called Cairo. You're listening to Livewire Radio. With music, conversation, and comedy, we stimulate every part of your brain, including the area where embarrassing grade school clog dancing experiences are stored. Sorry about the later hosen malfunction. You'd think leather would have held up better than that. Coming up, Fisher poet Mo Baustern, Portland Timbers owner Merritt Paulson, and poet Scott Poole. We'll be right back. fished the Hudson River. She's fished in the Gulf of Mexico, and she is a 25-year veteran of the Alaskan commercial fishing industry. After her first six-month season, she started the aptly named zine 
Extra Tough, featuring her art and poetry. She has been reading at the Fisher Poets Gathering in Astoria, Oregon, since 1997. In addition to the Seattle Folklife Festival, the Sea Music Festival in Mystic, Connecticut, and festivals in Leeds, England, and Aberdeen, Scotland. With a piece called Things That Will Be Difficult, please welcome Mo Baustern to Livewire. Thank you. This is from the newest issue of my zine, which is called The Greenhorn Issue. It's all about people who have never been fishing before, and this is called Things That Will Be Difficult. It will be hard to never know what is going to happen next, or indeed what is happening right now. It will be hard to not understand what is going on for days, weeks, the entire first season. It will be hard that everyone else knows how to do everything, and they know that you, the greenhorn, can do nothing right. It will be hard to have no opinion worth attending. It will be hard to have no one around to whom you can say, will you please explain that whole not versus miles thing again? It will be hard to look at the fish hold and see an undifferentiated mass of fish while your crewmates are separating fish into five distinct species. It will be hard to wake up in your tiny little bunk in the pitch-dark forecastle in the middle of a scream with your crewmate shaking you by the shoulder, telling you to shut the bleep up, we're trying to get some sleep, it will be hard to dream that you are in a coffin every night. It will be hard to cook two or three meals a day every single day and have no one ever, ever, not once say thanks, although moms get that too. It will be hard to get the hatch cover off. It will be hard if you are a woman to struggle to do anything new without having some man come and take the tool from you and do it. It will be hard later to hear yourself described as lazy when you've given up doing anything because some man takes over everything you start doing, except the cooking. It will be hard if you are a man to understand why your female crewmate who started out so friendly is so silent now when you are only trying to help. It will be hard if you are a woman to go weeks without speaking to another woman, to only see a woman as a faraway figure clad in rain gear on a distant boat. It will be hard if you are a man to read a poem or draw a picture without having another man call you a f***t or a pussy. It will be hard, whatever you are, to go for weeks without a touch, a caress, a kind word, a hug. It will be hard if you are queer and a man to never let anyone know who you are, It will be hard if you are queer and a man to work all summer and never dare to get drunk with your friends and crewmates lest your resolve fail and you act, after which you will be called the kisser in harbor legend forever and you will never return. It will be hard if you are a woman and queer to keep it to yourself lest you scare away the few women around you and bring closer the men who have rented a specific video they think you might have starred in. It will be hard if you are a woman to walk onto a boat filled with men watching porn and see your friends among them. It will be hard if you are a man to refuse to watch porn with those men. It will be hard if you are a woman to remember that you are pro-porn. It will be hard to keep everything to yourself, buttoned inside your head and locked in your heart. It will be hard when you go without laughing for so long. 
It will be hard if you are a man to go without seeing a woman except as a faraway, reindeer-clad figure on the stern of a distant boat. It will be hard when you realize you are helplessly hot for your crewmate. It will be hard when you realize that the skipper has a crush on you and your crewmates hate you for the special treatment you didn't ask to get. It will be hard to find joy. It will be hard to make it through those last 20 days of August. It will be hard to regress to the childhood frustrations of not knowing how to do anything, even the simplest thing, without anyone to cheer you on when you finally figure out the simplest thing, tying a knot you are supposed to know, fueling up without spilling a drop. It will be hard to be green, to hurt all of your body and have nobody care, to see whales, whales, and when you run in to tell your crewmates they are irritated at their interrupted naps, they who have seen a thousand whales, they to whom a whale is a fishing obstacle. It will be hard to return to the boat for your second triumphant season and realize that you are still a greenhorn. It will be hard to find a place alone where no one can see you cry or masturbate or read kids' books. It will be hard to look at the beach every day and never set foot on land 15 days, 20 days. To live in 38 or 44 feet with three or four other people, that will be hard. It will be hard to watch yourself become your worst possible self. To understand eventually that all along the problem was you. And that even with this epiphany, you can't stop being that self. And then, finally, after it's all over, and you are back home, wherever that may be, among those who love you, who praise you, who hug you, and laugh at your jokes, and always say good morning, then you will find, beyond all reason, that you are homesick. A truck will belch diesel as it passes you, and the stench will transport you to a moment in a quiet bay, fueling up at your favorite tender. Everything will be too fast and too loud. There will be too many people everywhere. You will develop an affinity for men with beards. You will learn how to spot a working fisherman, a fellow. You will miss the boat. You will miss the ocean. And that will be hard. Mo Bowser. was Mo Baustern, and you're listening to Livewire Radio. If you're in the Portland area, come to our next show at the Alberta Rose Theater on March 4th with guests John Wesley Harding, Christine McKinley of the History Channel's Decoded, with musical guests Shervona and The Thermals. Thanks for listening. In celebration of the upcoming 83rd Annual Academy Awards, Livewire has obtained this rare, never-before-heard recording of a 1998 creative meeting between acclaimed movie-making brothers Joel and Ethan Cohen. Creators of such films like Blood Simple, No Country for Old Men, and the recent True Grit. Nuances of the Cohen brothers' working relationship has been clouded in mystery until now. Okay, June 28th, 1998, brainstorm session. Uh, Ethan, I've been thinking about our next project. Um, What about an unemployed stoner with the same name as a wealthy benefactor getting mixed up in a kidnapping plot? 
Mm, what else you got? Uh, okay, um, Texas, early 80s. While hunting, a guy uncovers the grisly scene of a drug deal gone bad. He swipes the two million in cash that's there, and he thinks he's scot-free, but in fact, a menacing assassin is tracking him down. Nah. You don't like that idea? Not really. Huh, well, I, I thought it might be a nice starting point. Uh, all right, what are you thinking as far as new ideas? Two words. Ninja... Surfer. What? Check it. A guy washes up on a beach in Hawaii. Little do we know that he's actually the most badass ninja in all of Japan. Some surfer dudes find him and nurse him back to health. Get this. He's got total amnesia. Uh, how did he get to Hawaii? That's not important, Joel. What is important is that he becomes this super awesome surfer, and he does all the sweet-ass ninja moves on the surfboard. That is until the ninja master from Tokyo shows up, and then they have a super cool fight on their surfboards during these 40-foot swells. Uh, I don't know, Ethan. Uh, aren't ninjas like Ronin in a sense that they, they don't have masters? And, and why would this master also know how to surf? I mean, what, Okay, what? fine. Jesus, just shut up already. All right, well, let's just table that idea for the time being. Um, anything else uh, kicking around up there? You know it, brother. There's these chimpanzees, right? But they're, like, super smart. Like, so smart they can talk English and stuff. And they spend all day long, like, making fun of lions and, like, throwing pineapples and stuff at their face. All right, how is that a movie? Did you even hear what I said? They speak English, okay? They can say things like, uh, we're the king of the jungle. Now here's some pepperoni on your face. I thought it was pineapple. Whatever. It can be anything. That's the beauty of it. I'll even let you come up with some stuff they can do. I don't know. Maybe one of them, like, talks like this. Hey, lion, suck on this banana. And then blammers. Okay, doesn't that seem, I don't know, kind of juvenile? Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Genius. How many Oscars do you have? Uh, the same amount as you. Right, so shut up. God, you know, I can't wait till I get to do my own stuff and not have to worry about you always bringing me down. Listen, Ethan, we, we've worked together for a long time, and it's gone pretty well. Yeah, but we always have to do your stupid movie ideas. People like those movies. Stupid people do. All right. Fine. Uh, this is going nowhere. Fine, fine. Let's do your dumb stoner kidnapping thing, and then next time we have to do either the ninja thing, the monkey thing, or a movie where a robot becomes the king of England. Okay, just a little note. Chimps aren't monkeys, Ethan. I mean, they're actually an ape, and a lot of people okay, forget. Okay, sorry, Mr. Wizard. I'm not a monkeyologist. Look, do we have a deal or not? Fine. And maybe later we can pick up talks on redoing that John Wayne movie? <laughs> Yeah, right, like that's going to be any good. Tune in next time as Livewire goes behind the curtain on the creative process. And be on the lookout at your local movie theater for such Coen Brother films as Hang Ten Hanzo, Banana Brains, and Royal Beep Boop Beep. <laughs> Next up on Livewire, a man who bought a minor league soccer team and decided to make it major. Merritt Paulson graduated from Harvard Business School, and he used his degree initially to market the NBA. In 2007, he and his company, Shortstop LLC, owned by he and his father, former Treasury Secretary Henry Paulson, bought the Portland Beavers, a minor league baseball team, and the Timbers, at the time a minor league soccer team. Since then, the timber status has changed to one of only 18 Major League Soccer teams in the country. And Merritt's here. 
which is kind of exciting. And Merritt's here to talk about how that happened and what's in store for the Timbers. With some help from members of the Timbers Army, please welcome Merritt Paulson to Livewire. All right, folks. My understanding is that if you want to be a member of the Timbers Army, you already are. Is that correct? You got it right. You got it 100% right. That's good right. because most clubs do not allow me in. They just don't. I steal. I steal things. Uh, but this I got for free, so thank you. <laughs> Welcome to the show, Merritt. It's great to have you here. We're excited. Thanks for having me. We hope you are, too. Um, so that was James Harrison that our audience heard, and he was leading members of the Timbers Army. He's what they call a capo, and he's one of the people that leads the, the army and the audience and cheers. Um, when you bought this team, were you aware that you inherited an army? Um, and uh, what's it like to answer to, to an army? I was, I was aware I was coming to Soccer City USA, mm-hmm. and, uh, and Major League Soccer was something very much on our radar scre- screen when we came here. Obviously, we knew it was going to take a lot of work to move us from where we were to MLS. Uh, but, you know, in terms of actually experiencing the Army, you know, it's the kind of thing you can say, well, just imagine what you just heard, multiply it by 20,000, add pageantry and banners and, you know, think of it for 90 straight minutes with everybody on their feet, and yet you still kind of have to experience it. Yeah, in you know, person. It's, it's 100% experiential. And so, you know, our job is just to get people at the games, mm-hmm. get them in the gates, and, and it kind of sells itself after that. You know, and add a great sporting event to, to the mix. Uh-huh. And it's a pretty good recipe. What was the experience like for you when you went to your first game? Oh, I loved it. It, yeah. was, it was love at first sight. I have a quote here from Bill Shankly. He's a really well-respected British football manager who, who passed away some years ago. Uh, he says, some people believe football is a matter of life and death. I'm very disappointed with that attitude. I can assure you it is much, much more important than that. <laughs> um, why do you think soccer inspires such passion, and what made you a convert to soccer? Well, I mean, it, with supporters' culture, it's more than just a game. It's a community. You know, there's sort of that tribal element to it. You know, it's also a much longer build-up to a game. One of the great things about soccer, I mean, I guess to sort of Americanize it, you know, I mean, it's more like a college football or NFL. I mean, it's every week, and it's this big ramp-up, and, you know, that culminates in the, in, in the match, and there's something that's great about that. So what happens in that ramp-up period? Well, I mean, it, the, the, the hype continues to build and build. But, I mean, even out of season, I think the real answer to your question is really what I was talking about before, which is sort of the culture and the community surrounding mm-hmm. that team, which is much broader yeah. and more meaningful. Yeah. Well, so let's just say, hypothetically, that I buy a minor league soccer team. So just hypothetically, how would I go about 
turning it into a major league soccer team because it seemed like it was really easy to me. <laughs> Just... Get, <laughs> get, you know, get ready for, for two years of poking, prodding, examining, you know, process central. Hopefully, uh, hopefully at the end of that time you could, you could make it major league. But you can't do it without the fans. I mean, that's ultimately, you know, an owner is an owner. Mm-hmm. But 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 Portland wouldn't be an MLS team if it wasn't if it wasn't for the fans. You know, t- teams are are owned in name only, legally only. You know, it's 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 really it's the property of the fans of the community, and it, it sounds kind of trite to say that. Yeah. Um, you know, but 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 <laughs> it's you know you know frankly not frankly not every team's run like that. Right. Well, but, no, but, but, and that's, I, I but, but but at, at the at, at the end of the day, at, at the end of the day, we needed to have that core uh, fan base, that 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 core support, right? Um, and, and and that got us through a lot of difficult times because you know there were various points in time in the process. And if you're listening to the show and you you know you're not in Portland, and you know this was, I think we we counted the number of stories just in the Oregonian, which is the major paper here over the last year and a half, and it was something like 185 stories. Yeah. Well, you uh, but, the, but without the fans, we wouldn't have made it. Uh, well, that, that. that's kind of my question. So you had the support of the fans, and, and I think as a, as a spectator, I was watching it just, you know, reading the, the stories in the paper, and you would see you at these, you know, city council meetings, and there would just be this I love those, I sea of, <laughs> of soccer fans behind you. <laughs> what sort of difference did that make in terms of just the nuts and bolts of it? I mean, you're showing up, certainly, with all these people behind you. Does that... Is, is it just a matter of people seeing it and recognizing that that just means that there's public support for it? I mean, honestly, yeah. I mean, we, we couldn't have done it without it. We, yeah. we really couldn't. And, and, and the Army, you know, was organized. We weren't successful with baseball. I mean, we yeah. tried like mad to make baseball work, and it's one of the big failures of, of this whole thing. I feel sick about the way that ended. Um, and, uh, because you know, you, yeah, you, and, you and, and ultimately well. a part of that responsibility is, is my failure and all, our failure to mobilize baseball fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the soccer fans really had their own community and, and, and really mobilized themselves. I mean, they, they didn't, didn't take much prodding. I mean, it, anytime we tell them about the me- a meeting, they already knew about it. Yeah. Yeah. So they were always one step ahead. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I actually, I, I spoke to a couple of the members of the Army, and they hold you in great respect. Not um, all of them. <laughs> not all of them. But the one, one that I spoke to said something great. He said, you know, he's made a few mistakes, but he's got a great autocorrect feature. <laughs> would, you, would you agree with that about yourself? Because that's a great quality for a person to have, I, I think. You know, my wife wouldn't agree with that. No? <laughs> I, you know, look, we, we, we haven't done everything perfectly, but, right. but it's, uh, you know, ultimately you've got to be open to listening and, and you know, learning from mistakes. And, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I feel pretty darn good about where we are right now. And we've got almost 12,000 season ticket holders. There's a lot of buzz, a lot of hype. This is going to be a big deal for this city. Even if you're not a soccer fan, the, the broader community impact is really stunning. Well, and you actually, ha- you've created a great buzz with a marketing campaign that you've recently created that actually uses members of the Timbers Army, and they are huge on billboards, actually, just the Army. Actually, Jelly Helm created it. He's sitting right out there in the audience right now. Jelly Helm. Can you, can you just talk about the impetus of that campaign and, and how, what sort of an impact you've seen it have? Well, it's terrific. I mean, really, it's simple. Um, in, you know, like anything else, it's all about execution. I mean, the, the buzzword for us with the Portland Timbers is authenticity. 
you know, what's really authentic. I mean, it's just, it's like it going to a Timbers game is like going to a game in England or Argentina. It's a real authentic, intense, electric atmosphere, and, and we owe that to our fans. And, and this campaign's really about featuring not models, but actual Timbers fans. Uh, and so, you know, we've got them posing with sort of some of our iconic symbols, you know, from the name and axe, chainsaws. Mm-hmm. And by the way, we are a green organization, despite that there's a little bit of a dichotomy. But, uh, right. Um, but when we do saw logs when we score goals, which has got to be the coolest, uh, one of the coolest uh, celebrations you'll see in any soccer mm-hmm. team. But, uh, uh, you know, so they're posing with these, you know, with, and it's just sort of this impending event. You know, that's more or less the, uh, the campaign. It's gotten a lot of attention. Well, and it's not only, I think, brought, brought attention to the Army itself, but I think it has to sort of empower the Army to even be stronger, you know, to support the, the organization even more. Well, one of the cool things, we actually, there's a little shop um, uh, that, that we've got downtown where we're doing the renovation that, that uh, we've got Timbers gear available at, and we opened up a photo booth there and let people who didn't get to participate in the campaign just show up and get their picture taken with axes, et cetera, like... Uh, they could have been in the campaign, and it was done in a background like like the billboards. Fifteen hundred people over two days stood wow. in line and and got their picture taken. On Saturday, the line was a hundred deep from nine to five the whole time the store was open. Wow! Um, I just wanted to ask you about. I read that soccer as a recreational sport is by far the most popular recreational sport among boys and girls. It's been so for the past 30 years or so. And yet as a spectator sport, it's never been one of the big four. Um, Do you think that that soccer fans want to be one of the the big four? Are they comfortable? And where do you want want soccer to to land in that? Yeah, I wouldn't say it's about being, it's about, you know, surpassing the NFL or the NBA or baseball. It's about being relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we've hit that tipping point. I mean, you know, and look to our, our, our you know, enemies to the north here in, in, in Seattle. And, and uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's certainly relevant there, uh, you know, 34,000 season ticket holders in, in, in only two years. And, uh, you know, all around the league, this thing's grown. I mean, it's, you're right, there's 16 million kids, you know, who, who play the sport, but they haven't had the tradition of a, uh, well, uh, you know, a league that's been built on a strong foundation yeah. to follow. And that's finally developing. The talent level's coming up, and, and this league's just getting better and better. Uh, and there's a lot of success stories going on in a lot of different cities, cities like Kansas City. I mean, let me tell you, their process to build a new stadium was here's $140 million, go build a brand-new stadium. Yeah. Uh, but, but it's, uh, you know, it's, it's going great there. And New York's got the Red Bulls and Vancouver's launching a team next year. Houston's got a new stadium uh, coming on. And, you know, there's a lot of good stories around the league and a, a lot of good talent coming into the league. And at first it was about going and getting guys who are big names but sort of on the downside of their career. And now the league's going out and getting up-and-coming talent from this hemisphere a lot, from South America and Mexico. Right. And really, we've got some great you American... you got a player from Manchester who played for Manchester United. Uh, Arsenal. Yeah. Kerry uh, uh, Gilbert, yeah. <laughs> um, but a couple that came from uh, Man U's academy system, including Kenny Cooper and, right. and Eddie Johnson. Um, that's what you meant. Uh, but, uh, yeah, when we've got... Uh, you know, it's, 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 a, it's a good story talent-wise is the... Is the punchline there? Yeah, <laughs> um, and just just briefly, you've said that your goals for the team's first year are to make the playoffs and beat Seattle. Um, <laughs> what what are your goals for yourself in this first year as the owner of a major league soccer team? 
um, you know, just to, to keep myself out of harm's way during games. You know, I, get, I get pretty into them. Uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, I just, I, it's really, I'm, I'm really thinking about this thing, to be honest. Um, you know, obviously those are the, the on-field uh, goals for the first year. We've got goals in the stands of making sure everybody has a terrific customer experience and we're taking care of our, of our guests. But it's really about sustaining this thing, you know, thinking out five, ten years from now and, and building the team and, and having a winning team and winning a championship. You know, Soccer City USA has had, you know, the, the, the seeds of that were sown in 1975 when, when Portland got an NASL team, but, but there's yeah. really never been a championship, you know, in any of the iterations. A lot of teams have done well. We want to win a championship, so that's very much a, a goal in MLS Cup. So. All right. Um, and just one final question um, that Sean Levy, our, the Oregonian's uh, I love Sean. <laughs> a film reviewer and a huge, huge Timbers fan, wanted me to ask you what your Oscar picks were. <laughs> and I'd uh, like to know too. Well, okay. The caveat is um, I haven't seen the King's Speech, speech which I hear is great, and I haven't seen uh, Black Swan, which I hear is great. Um, but I think I've seen almost every other one of the the, the nominees. I, you know, Winner's Bone is like the best movie I think I, I've seen in years. I thought that was I thought that was unbelievable. All right. All right, good call. Um, for uh, Timbers fans, if you live in the Portland area, April 14th is the first home game, and uh, that's at PGE Park, and they'll be playing the Chicago Fire. Are you going to make it out to a couple games? Is that the name of Chicago's team, the Chicago Fire? The Chicago Fire. That's right. <laughs> w- wouldn't you, wouldn't too you... soon! A <laughs> hundred years later is still a little too soon for that, I feel like. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yes, I absolutely. Everything that I've heard, um, I've talked to some members of the Army, and it just sounds like a blast. I'll absolutely be there, and I will be drinking. Good. (laughs) Merrick Paulson, thank you so much for joining us. That was Merritt Paulson, and you're listening to Livewire Radio. Subscribe, yeah, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, and you'll never have to download our show again. Not that downloading our show is hard. It's, it's clicking. You just have to click something. It's a flick of the wrist and a tiny finger movement. So if that's hard for you, you should really consider maybe a checkup or start working out or something. Anyway, you can get more information on subscribing to our podcast at livewireradio.org. You're listening to Livewire Radio, music, conversation, and comedy. We're like a great date, but just the first or the second one, not the one that ends in the bedroom. We'll leave that to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. (laughs) That show is skanky. Coming up, author and salt expert Mark Bitterman, author Karen Russell, and poet Scott Poole. We'll be right back.
And now, once again, Langhorn Slim. Still drinking wine out of coffee cups, that's fine by me, as long as I'm lying by you. Last week I was in a foreign town, I was a tourist then and I'm a tourist now in the town that I live in, that's fine too. I'm gonna find my way I've got nothing left to say But take my hand Come on and take my hand I'll be back in the saddle this time on Tuesday. I'll fly out of Seattle back to Pennsylvania to pick up what I left. And I don't miss the East Coast seasons, but I miss my mind. I don't know the reason sometimes I miss my poppy lives in New Jersey and it wasn't that far away. I got nothing left to say but take my hand Why don't you take my hand I've made all of my own mistakes There's a few I chose to lose Others I had to take Drinking wine out of coffee cups That's fine by me As long as I'm lying by You Langhorn Slim Thanks guys listeners around the country, uh, Langhorn will be touring with the Avid Brothers starting in March. Go to langhornslim.com for more information. 
we promised, the man who's been toiling away the whole hour while we've accomplished almost, I've accomplished nothing, please welcome poet Scott Poole. What I Learned Tonight by Scott Poole. I learned tonight that there's certain things you can't get away doing by yourself. Like soccer, for instance. I can't play soccer. When I play soccer, I look like an escaped mental patient running around an empty field, chasing a ball he can't figure out how to pick up with his own hands. Maybe I should play with other people. That could be awesome. Perhaps it would make wandering around in a field chasing a ball erratically with seemingly no clear purpose more socially acceptable. (laughs) Protesting by yourself doesn't get you very far either. Today I protested the burnt toast in my toaster. I yelled at the toaster to no effect. Don't burn my toast! Don't burn it! Don't! So I totally slammed my stupid toaster in my status update on Facebook. I'm just waiting for someone from Egypt to reply. (laughs) Sounds like a Langhorn Slim song. Just waiting for a reply from Egypt. Just waiting for someone to place a keyboard in front of the Sphinx. The Sphinx just has those paws out, just laying there for thousands of years. Doesn't the Sphinx just look like it wants to type? (laughs) Sphinx, just type me one of those riddles. Just let me know you care about my burning toaster. Just let me know you care. (laughs) However, if I had some people protesting with me, perhaps even some characters from Sesame Street, then I might really have some impact on the world. What would Grover look like burning an effigy? (laughs) Big Bird waving a flag on top of a tank. Animal yelling, kill, 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 into a bullhorn. I'm sorry, that would be totally awesome. Almost as awesome as being a surfer ninja. Maybe if I got on a fishing boat and learned the ropes, they could haul me out to Hawaii, and if they didn't catch me trying to learn my ninja moves alone in my bunk, then maybe when I got out there, I could hook up with some super cool surfers who would adopt me. That's the thing. You can't adopt yourself either. But other people can. I wish the Timbers Army and Merritt Paulson would adopt me. Singing, I am the timbers, I am mental, and I am green, alone in your bathroom has a certain appeal. (laughs) But if, say, I was trying to make toast or play soccer or try to be a ninja surfer, it would be much better to have thousands of green-clad people helping me make toast or play soccer or become a ninja surfer. But I learned tonight that I have nothing to worry about. I'm already a member of the timbers' army. (laughs) So I got that going for me, which is nice. Just wait till Seattle tries to play a sea of green-colored surfer ninjas with properly cooked toast. Watch out. Scott Poole, everybody. That's our show for tonight. Thank you so much for coming out. Our 
Our thanks to our guests tonight, poet Mo Baustern, Merritt Paulson, and Langhorn Slim. Thank you to members of the Timbers Army. The Mutton Shops are Ralph Huntley, Jim Brumberg, and Dave Jorgensen. Tonight's show was made possible in part by our sponsors, New Belgium Brewing Company, Whole Foods Market, Fitch & Associates, and the Falcon Art Community. Additional funding provided by the Regional Arts and Culture Council, the Oregon Cultural Trust, the James F. and Marion L. Miller Foundation, and listeners such as you fine people. Hotel accommodations generously provided by the Hotel Deluxe. Livewire is created by Kate Sokoloff and Robin Tannenbaum. Our senior producer is Robin Tannenbaum. The show is produced by Courtney Hommeister and Jim Brumberg. The faces for Radio Theater are writers Courtney Hommeister, Tyler Hughes, Sean McGrath, performer Trisha Ferguson, and Siren of Sound, Pachinowski. Our guest writer this week is our very own house poet, Scott Poole. Our recording engineer is Jonathan Newsom. House sound by Jeffrey Hilton Simmons. Production and stage management by Drew Flint and Matt King. Guest wrangling by Ferial Harbin. Theme by Courtney Vondrelli and Ralph Huntley. Craft services by Whole Foods Market. Graphic and web design by Danger Creative. Web development by Amalgamotion. Social media coordinator is Trent Finley. Our publicist is Cassell Communications. Our operations manager is Adrian Schaefer. Our development specialist is Bree Gregg. For more information about Livewire or to subscribe to our podcast, visit our website at livewireradio.org. This is Tyler Hughes. Coming up next... I don't know, but I don't envy it, whatever it is. I mean, who'd want to follow this? Wouldn't it be amazing to have a piping hot episode of Livewire delivered right to your heart and ears each week? Well, guess what? That can happen when you subscribe to the Livewire podcast feed And you'll get the joy of surprising conversation every week. So go ahead and do it. It's super easy. You click on the button at the top of your podcast app and bam, you are Livewire subscribed. And if you're still, you know, feeling the love, if you're enjoying the show, hey, maybe you could hook us up and uh, leave us a quick review. That'll help more people find out about Livewire. And thank you.